I want to welcome you here and just say, hey, today we're wrapping up a series of talks. For the last month or so, we've actually been talking through the life of a guy named Gideon that you find in the Old Testament. And one of the things that we discovered about his life is that it is so familiar to our journey. His story speaks to our story. In fact, the tagline I've been saying throughout this entire series, maybe you kind of like or you're getting it by now. It simply goes like this, that God uses, help me out if you know, if you kind of remember it, right? God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. How many of you believe that today? God uses ordinary people. I'm looking at some ordinary people. I don't mean to offend you. I'm ordinary too. Okay, this is an ordinary church. And I'm here to tell you that maybe if you came in today and you say, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like I have anything special to offer. I feel like I don't really have much to offer God. I feel like I don't, I don't know that I, there's nothing special about me. Can I just tell you, you are exactly who God wants to use. God doesn't care if you have a lot of money or not. God's not looking for famous people. He's not looking for celebrities. He's not looking for politicians. He's looking for ordinary people that will say, God, use me anyway. And then all of a sudden he will do something extraordinary through your life. Do you believe that church? Come on. If you do, I want you to receive that. I want, I, my prayer is that through this whole entire series is that you've been inspired to believe God for a little more than what maybe your life has been. That you've been saying, you know what, 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 it, what is it that God's called me to do? I want to know what it is. And we've been learning all through this series that, that process. It's a process. If you weren't here for week one, you missed it. Uh, that was what kicked it all off. Week one, here's what we learned through Gideon's story is this, that God sees the potential in you that you cannot even see. And God sees that potential. Here's why. Because God put it inside of you. And the reason why a lot of times we look in the mirror and say, I don't think there's anything special I have to offer is because we didn't make us. You didn't make you. God made you and God knows what he put inside of you. And so if God says, I've put something in you that I can use to do something incredible, you need to believe that because he knows. And then we saw week two that before God's going to use you, to do something extraordinary on the outside, that he's first going to address some things on the inside. We, we learned that we need to alter our altar. In other words, God's going to realign our priorities to get it right before he's going to take us to the next step to reach someone and use our gifts to impact the world. Then last week, or I should say week three, we talked about how, like, how do I know what God's calling me to? And the truth is this, that God will confirm what he calls you to. You can seek confirmation, but what we learn that we're not going to do is we're not going to fleece God. In other words, we're not going to manipulate God and like he's a genie to get him to do what we want to do, but rather we're going to say, God, confirm what you're calling me to do. Now, we get all the way to the end of our story with Gideon. And now imagine if you, if you were here last time, we talked about how the Midianites, this was the enemy of the Israelites that had been oppressing them, moved into their territory. They're ready, setting up camp, ready to take them out. And Gideon, after all this, he calls as many troops as he can from Israel to come help him fight. And 32,000 people show up ready to fight. Okay? 32,000 people. And so now Gideon has all the people. There's one camp of the enemy. There's the Israelite camp ready to go. And now all Gideon needs is the strategy. I want to talk to you today about the strategy. What's this? I need a strategy. I need a plan, right? This is if I'm Gideon, all right, God, how are we going to do this? Because we're kind of outnumbered. I need a plan. I need a strategy. Some of you will, will recognize this, that if you're going to create something, a business, 
a new venture, a ministry, whatever it is, you know that you need a strategic plan. Do not go to the bank with a business idea and no strategic plan. They will laugh you right out of the doors. You got to have a strategic plan. You need a strategy. Now, I'm just curious, how many of you would say you are planners? You like a plan. Raise your hand if you're a plan person. Okay, okay, just say, own it, man. That's great. My wife is the planner in our family. I mean, I can plan and I have to for work and I do that for ministry, but my wife is naturally gifted as a planner. She plans everything. Every day is planned. Every week is planned. Our vacations are planned. How many know you got to plan your vacation? My wife is the, she's the type of person that will finish one vacation the day after we get back. She was like, we need to plan the next one. Are any of you like that? Hello? That's the way she is. She's planning the next one already. I'm like, come on, we got time. She's like, no, I got to have a plan. Funny story about a couple years ago, we had, we were going to go on this extended vacation and, um, I told my wife, I said, Hey, I know we're going to go to this place that you want to go, but if I can line up something where I want to go, can we go there? And she was like, well, if you want to line it up and we'll extend our trip, sure. I'll, I'll take a longer vacation. And so she planned her portion of the trip. We were, we were going to Disney. If you know my wife, that's, that's where you go on vacations, Disney or a beach. And there's no other options. And so I, I knew this guy in the church, a friend of mine who had this house, his cabin in Tennessee, Gatlinburg. And I was like, is your cabin free? Because I, I would love to go. He's like, man, I'd love for you to go use it. I'm like, oh, awesome. So I told my wife, I was like, hey, I got, I got, a, I got this whole thing worked out. We're going to go and stay in his cabin for a couple days before we go on. She's like, all right. And so you, you're going to arrange. I said, got it. I got it, you know. And, um, and, and so my wife, this is funny, like a month Three weeks, two weeks leading up to it, she is, her stress level is going through the roof because she didn't plan the first portion of the vacation. Every minute of the other part was planned. I mean, every minute. But not that portion. She was going, she was like, are you sure? Do we got everything? What are we doing? What are we going to do on Monday? What are we going to do on Tuesday? I was like, I got this. Now, I didn't really have a plan. But... It's vacation. Come on. You don't need a plan. I said, we'll figure it out when we get there. She did not like that because she's a planner. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're a planner by nature. And, and I think whenever we're going to do anything significant, we, we want to know the plan. If, if you're going to build a career, you, you're going to come up with a plan. That's why when you graduate from high school, you're like, I'm going to go to this college. We're going to go this many years and then I'm going to get it and work here. And then I'm going to try to make my way up or, or when it comes to family, don't we do family planning? Some of you are like, you're single, but you're like, I want to be married by this age, and I want to have kids at this age, and, and here's what's funny, like, uh, those of us have lived long enough, have been around to know that life doesn't always go the way you plan. Like, but it's good to make plans. I want the plan. In fact, I, I remember hearing this quote one time, that no plan is a plan for failure. And so if I'm Gideon, I'm like, God, I need the plan. So if you're a planned person, okay, what I'm about to read you, we're going to be in Judges chapter 7, is going to give you some angst today. You're, you're not going to like this. It's going to bother you, okay, because Gideon has all of the troops assembled, and all he needs now is the strategy. How are we going to do this, God? In Judges chapter 7, I'm going to be there starting with verse 1. It says, early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. 
And the camp of Midian was north of them, so the enemy is just north of them, in the valley near the hill of Moreh. Verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, you have what? Everybody, would you help me out loud? Say it out loud. You have too many men. You got just too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. You, you've got too many. Do you know, I got to be honest. I don't know if I've ever heard those words ever come out of anyone's mouth. Like you have too much. Have you ever said those words? Most of the time, I don't think we have. I've never really heard someone say that, you know. I've got too much time on my hands. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know. Maybe you said that last week. Most of us don't feel that way. Or, or I don't know. I've never heard anyone say, I've got too much money in the bank. I hate it. I don't know what to do with it. I got all this money and I don't know what to do with all this money. I've never heard anybody ever say that. I've, I've never heard anybody was like, you know, I, I've got, I got too much space in my house. I hate it. I mean, I got too much room in my garage. I've never heard any guy ever say those words ever. Just so much room. I don't even know what to do with it, you know? Or we just have too much love in our relationship. It's just six, it's just sickening, you know, how much love we have. We got too much. I, I've never really heard anybody ever say those words. In, in fact, I think most of us think that the answer to all of life's problems is that we actually don't have enough. Right? I mean, if, if we just had more money, we probably wouldn't fight all the time. How many times have we thought that? If we had more space because we're so cramped in our kids and we're just one bathroom and it's always fighting, we'd have more peace in our house. If I had more time, man, I know I could get this job done and my boss is riding me and they're just, I can't get it all done and there's too much work. If we, if we had, if I had more energy, I would serve and I would get involved, but I just don't. Listen, the truth is this. Most of us think that our biggest problem is not too much, it's not too many, but it's actually that we don't have enough. And what I've discovered is that no matter how comfortable our life gets, no matter how many luxuries that we live with, the truth is most of us here in America, this is the way we think. I don't have enough. That my life will be better if I can just have more, if I can just get more. Can I just tell you that most of the people in our communities here live in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. We have so much that most of us, our cars live indoors. Think about this. We, we've got so much money that, I mean, th this is crazy. We, we have more than you could ever imagine. And yet, let's be honest, most of us have a scarcity mindset. I don't have enough. Like if I had more, I would do more. If I had more, I'd go on these trips more. If I had more, most of us live with a scarcity mindset when it comes to our resource. Can I just tell you something? That the way God sees our resource is so different than the way we see it. We look at our resource and say, I don't have enough if I only had more. God might look at our resource and go, I actually think you have too much. Because here's what happens. When you have too much, we tend to get to a place where we say, I don't need God anymore. Honestly, that was the whole problem with the Israelites through this entire story. Was they got to a place where life was so good and so comfortable that they thought, I don't really need God anymore. 
And here's Gideon who's got 32,000 troops. But if you don't understand this and you don't know the context, Judges chapter 8 tells us that the enemy had about 135,000 troops. 135,000 troops to 32,000. Now, I'm not great at math, but I did get out my iPhone calculator and I divided it. And basically what that means is that every single one of Gideon's army needed to kill four of the enemy, four to one odds. That's four to one. That's all you need. And God looks at him and says, well, you actually have too much. You got too many men for me to save it. Too many. And I just wonder if maybe the reason why God doesn't give us everything that we ask for, it's not because God doesn't love us. And it's not because God doesn't desire to give us good things. It's not any of those things. I wonder if it's because God knows that if he gave us everything that we desired, it would actually mess us up. That if God gave you, you're praying for the promotion, you didn't get the promotion, oh God, if God, if I got this job, I'd make so much more money. If we got this, and God, if you help me get the lotto, I'm going to buy these tickets and priests, you know, like, like if, if, if God would just do this, and I think God realizes so often in our lives that if he gave us everything that we asked for, it actually messed us up. It might ruin us. And so here's God looking at Gideon. So, ah, 32,000? That's pretty good. You did a great job assembling all those people. You actually have too many people. You guys got a little bit too much. One of the things that I discovered about walking with God, and I want you to hear this, because you're going to be inspired through this series, I pray. I pray some of you are like, okay, I'm ready to do this. One of the things I've discovered when it comes to walking with God is that God will often just give you what you need in that moment. He will give you what you need. He is a God of provision. He will meet your needs in that moment. But he doesn't often give us more than enough because he knows it will mess us up. You can find this rhythm all throughout scripture. There's a rhythm to the way God provides. When you look at the Israelites and God brought them into the wilderness and here they are going through the desert and they're out of food, they're hungry and God gives them manna, this bread from heaven, this coriander seed stuff that they use as bread and God told them, go out and pick what you need for that day but don't take any more than one day's worth. And some of them did. Oh, I'm going to gather because I, I don't have enough. I need more than enough. I want to stockpile it. And so God, God told them, don't do it. And the moment they woke up the next day, it was filled with maggots. God was trying to teach them that I will provide for you every single day. And so often I think what we want is God, we want the whole thing. God, just give me all of it. God, we're going to build it. Just go ahead and drop it all in me, my lap. God, we're going to do, give me all of it. And what I've discovered, that's not the way God operates. The way God operates with provision is you take a step of faith and then he meets you in that moment. He'll meet you right then. In fact, I wanted you to get this thought in your mind today. I want to share this thought. And I, this is what I see in Gideon's story when it comes to, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. What's the strategy? Give me the whole plan. And it's this thought. God will show you the next step, but not the whole strategy. God will show you the next step, but not the whole strategy. I found this with God. He's going to say, here's what I want you to do. Here's the very next step. But when you say, all right, God, we're going to start this. We're going to do this. We're going to begin a group. We're going to do this. Show me how it's all going to work. He doesn't do that. Let me tell you why. Because God wants you to follow him step by step. And every step, listen, is going to be another step of faith. 
We think faith is a belief system. We think faith is, you know, I made a decision one time. I prayed a prayer. We think that's, that's not faith. Faith is making a decision that every day I'm going to follow Jesus no matter where it takes me, no matter what it looks like in my life. And it is scary. And some of you are prompted to say, okay, through the series, what, what is my next step? What's God calling me to do? I don't know what to do. That is why I will say this until I'm blue in the face. We have created the next step for you. Some of you go, I don't know what God's calling me to do. Can I just tell you, like, on behalf of God, go to X University. Go to XU. Go, God would say, go to X. I don't know if God would say it that way. But you need to go because, listen, this growth track we've created, is for you and has helped you to discover how I can get a rhythm with God so I can know what my next step is. You need, you need to get a rhythm with God because God's going to give you step by step. David wrote this Psalm, Psalm 37, 23. It's so beautiful. He said this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in them. The step of a good man is ordered by the Lord. Do you know the difference between a Christ follower and someone who isn't? Is who is calling the shots. It's who is ordering the steps. That's the difference. And, and those who have been in the military understand about taking orders. In fact, if you, if you are there are in the military or you have served our country in the military, would you just raise your hand right now at both our campuses? Just hold it up high. Come on, let's just give it up for those today that have, if you're serving, come on, we're, we're thankful. If you don't understand that verse, go talk to one of them. Because they'll tell you one of the first things that they teach you, BMT, basic military training, one of the first things they're going to teach you, how to take an order. And they're going to teach you not only how to take an order, but you're going to learn real fast in the military where your orders come from. And your orders always come from up. They always come up the chain of command. Your orders come from up the chain of command. Can I tell you today that if you are a Christ follower, the difference between you and someone isn't, isn't that you go to church, is that you have a belief system, but it's that you take your orders from the one above. That's the main difference. And the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God, I want the strategy. Give me the plan and then I'll go. And God's like, eh, that's not how it works. I'm just going to order you to take a step. Just take a step. So you need to understand that this is the way God operates. Because I don't want you to get confused. Because you're like, okay, I want to do something. But don't get confused because what God's going to do is he's going to invite you to take just one step without knowing the end. The God who knows the end from the beginning will not give you the end at the beginning. He won't. If you don't, if you don't believe me, go ask a guy named Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham. He said, I want you to pack up your family and I want you to start walking and I want you to go to a land I will show you. Well, what's the address? Don't worry about it. Just start walking. Can you imagine that? We wouldn't do that today. Like sell your house, put all your stuff in a U-Haul. You're going to take off on I-70. Just head, I don't know, I feel like God's leading us in a new direction, but I'm not sure where. We're just going to drive. And when he says stop, well, that's the place. That's what it's like when you follow Jesus, though. He doesn't give you the address for your new home. He just says, I'm calling you to do something. I want you to take a step of faith. 
And trust me with the results. I think about Joshua, when God called Joshua to lead the Israelites against Jericho, this fortified city. And God told Joshua, okay, all right, Joshua, here's the plan. Get your army, and I want you to walk around the city walls once every day for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. Okay, and then what? Well, you got trumpet and all that stuff. Just go ahead and blow the trumpet. Give a big shout. All right, then what? You want us to scale the walls? You want us to get out the catapult? Do you want us, what do you want us to do? No, just do that. What, what, wait, wait a minute. How are we going to defeat the enemy? Don't worry about that. Just be obedient to the step that I've put in front of you. And when you do, that's when you see the miracle. That's when you see the provision of God. Most of us want to see God move in extraordinary ways, but we're too afraid to take a step in the ordinary thing he's put in front of us. I know why I struggle with this, because I do. I'll just be honest with you, I struggle at times. God asks us to do something, and I just, He'll ask me to do something. Sometimes I struggle with this, because I'm the kind of person I want to know how. Are you a how person? I want to know how something works. I want to know how the provision's going to come. I want to know how it's all going to work. I'll just tell you right now, we took a step of faith, and God's really led us to build this new battle. I want to know how it's all going to work out. I can't tell you how. I've asked God every single day for the last year. God, tell me how it's all going to work out. Tell me how to do this. God's just like, you step. God does not give us the how. How is it? How are we going to be able to do this? How's the treatment going to work? How's this? Here's what I found with God. God will not answer how. Most of the time, God will just say, do you trust me? Just do it. I just, just take a step. If you want to know what it looks like to actually live by faith, it's taking a step when God says step, even if you don't know how it's going to land. Now, here's my question to us today, because this is really Gideon. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, God wants to use you and assemble an army. Okay. But what happens when the steps that God gives to you actually go in the wrong direction? This is where the rubber meets the road. And this is what you need to understand that God may ask you to take, he may take the step and yet you've got in your heart what you feel like God's called you to do, but it might feel like God's going to take you in another direction that does not end in your destination. If you don't believe me, let's look at what he does with Gideon. If you pick up our story in verse 3, Judges chapter 7, verse 3, it says this. Here's what God told him. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear, wussy, may turn back. That threw that in. That's not in my translation, but that's how I read it. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while only 10,000 remained. Can you imagine the look on Gideon's eyes? Because, you know, he's got a, God told him, go make this offer. He's got all the troops lined up in front of him, 32,000 men. Hey, if you're scared, little... Coward, trembling, you know, wussy. Fine, go, leave. We don't need you anyway. And, and, then, and then I'm thinking to myself, who's the first guy to step? Because I wouldn't want to be able to like, hey, I ain't stepping out of this line, right? And 22,000 of them leave. Can you imagine the size of Gideon's eyes? Like, what are we going to do? Only 10,000 are left. And now here's what verse, verse 4 says this, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still what? Everybody say it out loud. There are still too many men. For real, God? Like, 
God said, take them down to the water. Now, if you stop reading right there, it sounds really bad. It sounds like God's going to drown a bunch, but that's not. You always have to read the context. That was just to help you there. Read the Bible. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, then he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, then he shall not go. Okay, all right. So imagine, imagine this process. All he's doing is listening to God. Okay, so I got, I got to go to this. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. And 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest of them got down on their knees to drink. So the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets. Yes, because... We need a bunch more trumpets. I mean, if, if there's anything that we can do, 300 men, we'll, we'll be a great group of, you know, whatever. I Keep the trumpets of the others. I got to admit, like on face value, and if you haven't been around church, you're reading this, you're just thinking, this is insane. Right? He went from 32,000 down to 300. 300 men. It's 300. I know some of you are thinking right now, I've seen the movie 300. We could do a lot with that 300, man. How many of y'all seen the movie 300? Raise your hand. Wow, got a lot of people. I just feel, pray for you. I've never seen it. I just said, wow, that movie is really violent. But no, I have. I'm just messing. Like if you haven't seen the movie 300, if I had 300 guys like that, I would go against 135,000. Right? You know? But, but can we remember this? That um, that wasn't the criteria. Do you know? To make it into the movie 300, there is a very specific physical fitness test that they had to pass. It is really, really hard. And what's fascinating to me is that God says, you've got too many, and I need to thin it out. And so he says, go down to the water. And if I'm Gideon, I'm like, okay, so we get, we're going to go down by the water, and then we're going to probably do the bench press test. We're going to see how many can bench press 225 the most. It's like NFL Combine. And we're going to do that. We're going to do some deadlift. We're going to do some, you know, lift cleans. We're going to do, we're going to do all this, and we're going to get whoever can throw the spear the furthest. I, I might even ask, how many of you have actually ever been in a fight before? Raise your hand. God, let's pick them. But that's not what God did. God said, go on down there, tell them, have a drink. And the ones that lap water like a doggy, that's the one that I want to use. Are you kidding me, God? Look at the strong guys. You, you left me with the guys that can drink like a dog. This is wonderful. Sometimes, can I tell you that the very things that God calls you to do may make zero sense. This makes no sense whatsoever. This is not even a, a great method of eliminating. I, I get the 22,000 because they were afraid, but down to 300 because of how they drank the water. This makes no sense. Can I just tell you that God might ask you to do something that in your mind is going to go, this makes no sense. Why would I do this? I thought we were moving in this direction. We are going in the wrong direction. Let me tell you something, what I've discovered 
in walking with God, and that is this, that sometimes with God, the way forward actually seems backwards. Please hear this today. Because in your journey of faith, and I pray that you have a journey of faith, and if you don't, I pray that you will get on the path to that. When your journey of faith, there are times when God's going to call you and invite you to do something. He's, how's he going to do it? He's going to impress something in your heart. Someone's going to speak life over you. Someone's going to say, would you help us do this? Someone's going to call you, and, and you're going to want to shrink back. And, and, and maybe in your mind, whatever God calls you to do, he might then ask you to do something that's kind of crazy. I want you to sell that. Whoa, whoa, why? I want you to go and just do what they say. Well, that seems to make no sense. Sometimes the way forward with God will seem like we're going backwards. If you don't believe me, ask Moses. You know, the guy that God called and sent to Egypt to free the Israelites, the guy who can't speak well, the guy that maybe, maybe has a stutter and he says, I don't speak so good and you shouldn't use me. Get somebody else. And God says, I know exactly who I want. And I know what I put inside of you. And so Moses reluctantly, then he goes before the Pharaoh and he looks at the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh laughs at him. He's not only does he say, I'm not going to let your people go. But he says, all the bricks they're forced to make for us, we're not even giving them straw anymore. They got to go collect it and they have to meet quota. And oh, by the way, if they don't, we're going to whip them. You know what they all thought in that moment? We just took a big step backwards. Where are you, God? I need you to see this because in your journey, when God prompts you, there's going to be times when God's going to say, take a step, but it's going to feel like we just went backwards. Well, how about when God did bring them out of uh, Egypt and he takes the Israelites and he's leading them with this big pillar by day and they're following blind. Okay, God, we trust you. And then God takes them right to the edge of this Red Sea that is overflowing with water, mountains all around, only one path in and out. They turn around and see the Egyptian army who changed their minds pressing in on them. What'd you do to us, God? This doesn't make sense. Listen, sometimes the way forward with God will seem like you're actually going backwards. But I want you to hear this. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, you know who said those words? David. This is the same David that was anointed to become the next king of Israel, most believed between the ages of 10 and 15. Listen to me if you're young. That God would call someone who's somewhere between the ages of 10 and 15 and say, you're the next leader of this nation. But what you need to know about David is that David ended up spending at least 15 more years before he would ever be called to the throne. And oh, by the way, in those 15 years, after defeating a giant, after everybody just singing his praises, he had the king of Israel, Saul, chasing and hunting him down every single day. He's living in caves. He's running for his life. He had to live in enemy territory outside of Israel all in that time frame. Do you think at some point, sitting in a cave, wondering how we're going to survive the attack of thousands coming at us, do you ever think David at some point, what, Went, God, what are we doing? But yet somehow in his life, he gets to a point where he can say, but the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes the way forward will seem like it's going backwards. But what I've discovered is that oftentimes God will bring addition by subtraction. God wants to add something to your life. But the reason 
that he will bring that into your life is only once you've subtracted something else. It's addition by subtraction. God operates oftentimes addition by, here's what I mean, I'm not great at math. I'm really not, but I do have an iPhone and I've got a calculator and so I can do this. And so originally I know 135,000 troops to 32,000. Real quick, math, 4.227836. I did that in my head. No, it's probably not right, so don't look that up. But it's a little over four. Four to one. Remember I told you, if I'm Gideon, here's the strategy. I need each of you to take out four men, and we can win this war. Okay, okay, that's the strategy. Now what? God said, you got too many men. And so God thinned it down to 300. Why don't you figure out 300? Take on 135,000. I did the math for you already. And the odds go from four to one to 450 to one. So if I'm getting it, I'm like, hey, 300. I just need you to take out 450 men each. Can you do that? You got 450 in you? If you guys can do that, we all got 450. We're going to win this battle. You see what I'm saying is this makes no sense whatsoever. We, there's no way that we can do this, but what God is trying to teach them, and I believe God wants to teach us, is this principle. you got to know this if you're going to operate and be extraordinary. And that is this, God can do more when we have less. God can do more in your life when you have less. God can do more in your life when you have less control. When you stop saying, okay, God, I'm calling the shots, and you say, all right, God, if you want me to take that job, then I want you to confirm it. God, if you want us to buy that house, then I want you to confirm it. That's what we learned in week three. God, if you really want me to serve in this area, I'm going to do it. When you let go of the reins and you say, God, you're in control. Now God can do more through your life than ever before. And the reason why so many Christ followers aren't seeing God do supernatural things through them is because we've got the control. And I won't let go of it. By the way, uh, and this, this is a real practical note. You ought to, you ought to make a note of this. God can do more in your finances when you have less. Oh, what do you mean? That makes no sense. God can do more in your finances when you have less. What I'm saying is God said that I have blessed you. And if you will take the first fruits, honor me with the first fruits of your wealth. In other words, your paycheck, your commission check. You know, you sell your house, your profit. When you will honor me with the first fruits, how did they do that all throughout the Bible? It was with the tithe. That's how they practically did it. They gave to God the first 10%. God said, now I can bless you. I'm living proof of this. Let me just tell you this, that I know that God can do more with my 90%. I can do more with 90% with his help than I can 100% all by myself. God can do more in your finances when you have less, when you surrender it to God. Listen, you got to embrace this idea of surrender. You got to embrace this idea of subtraction. So Sometimes... We get to a point, like Gideon, Gideon gets to a point where all of a sudden God is removing all of these things and the way forward seems like it's going backwards. And I believe the question that God has for us today as we close out this series, as you begin to step into what God's called you to is this question, will you submit? What does it look like for you to submit to his plan? Well, he would just tell me how it's all gonna work out. He's not gonna tell you how it's all gonna work out. What he's going to do is he's going to put a single step in front of you. He's going to say, I just want you to take step by step. That's all I want you to do. If you will just 
do what I ask you to do. I know, but God, it feels like we're going backwards all of a sudden. Do you know what I found? The seasons of my life where I felt like we were going backwards and not forwards. As I look back on them, I found out those are the seasons where God developed something so deep in me that it was actually preparing me for when he did take us forward. Because God knows this truth. That if you don't let him develop what he needs to develop in you, you get to the victory, you have a tendency to take credit for it. This was the problem the Israelites had the whole time. This is when they said, God, I don't need you anymore. God never wants to use us to a point where we say, I got this and I don't need you anymore, God. You see, in the end, can I just say this? God did give Gideon the strategy. I thought you said, God... God will give you the next step, and I'll show you the whole strategy. Yes, but God did give Gideon the strategy, and I believe today God wants to give you the strategy. Here's the strategy. Submission is the strategy. I know that's not what you were thinking. That's not what you wanted to hear. But submission is the strategy. This rhythm that you get in your life of, of you want to be an ordinary person used by God to do extraordinary things, you get a rhythm in your life of saying, God, if you say step, I'm going to step. And God, if it looks like I'm sidestepping and I'm not moving closer to what I feel like you called me to, it's okay because I trust you. And if it doesn't make any sense at all, why am I down to 300? God says, will you trust me anyways? Because only then can I use you to do extraordinary things. Listen, as we close out this series, I just believe maybe God wants to, wants to lead us somewhere to make a decision today to take that step. Would you do me a favor and just stand to your feet at both our locations? I want to close and I want to close out the series with asking you and maybe challenging you if you would allow me to do that as your pastor to say throughout the series, what is it that God has been impressing upon your heart when I say that God uses an ordinary person to do something extraordinary? Because I believe that a lot of times we would just sit on the sidelines and we just come rather than get into the game. And I believe that there are people in our church that God has inspired to start ministries. I'm not even talking about the church. I, like, I believe there are people in our church that God is calling you into ministry. I believe there are people in the church that God wants to use you to start a small group. God wants to use you in serving him. God wants to use you. But listen, you've got to be willing to take the step, however crazy as it seems. And if you don't know how the story ends, I, I won't leave you hanging. But God tells Gideon, take your 300 men, divide them into three companies. He says, I want you to go to the hills surrounding the valley where the enemy is and go to opposite hills. 100 men in each company. And here's what he said. Remember, remember this? He told those other guys that went home, leave your trumpet. He said, I want every one of those 300 men to hold a trumpet in one hand and a torch in the other. Put an empty jar around the torch. He said, we're going to go in the middle of the night. And when I blow the trumpet, when I sound the trumpet, you would blow a trumpet to call people to arms. You also blow a trumpet as a sound of victory. When I blow the trumpet, I want all of us, all 300, to begin to blow your trumpet. And I want you to smash the jars. And I want you to hold the torches. When they see that fire at night, and they hear the sound of the cavalry coming, God's going to do, I don't know what it is. He hadn't told me. But God's going to do something. 
You know what I found so crazy about that? If I'm holding a trumpet in one hand and I got a torch in the other hand, I'm not holding a sword and I'm not holding a shield. And I felt like that was God's way of saying that I'm the one who is going to fight this battle for you. I'm the one who's going to give you the victory. You just focus on the trumpet, be a light. You sound the victory sound and watch what I am going to do. And God gave them victory that day over their enemy. So I don't know what God's calling you to do, but it's time the, the submission is the strategy. Come on, bow your heads at both our locations. Would you pray with me? God, I pray right now. I believe that your spirit is speaking to us. God, I believe that you have called us to so much more than maybe what we have found in this life. God, I believe that you have put something in each one of us that you have destined for your kingdom to do something of your purpose. And so, God, I pray right now, and as I speak, I pray, God, that your spirit is speaking to every person, that, God, that you are beginning to impress upon us our next step, that, God, you're calling us to trust you by faith. And, Lord, I believe that, God, you're going to do something through this ordinary church, that we are an ordinary church made up of ordinary people, but, God, if we will submit to you, that, God, I believe you're going to do supernatural things in our community. We're going to see thousands come to know you. We're going to give away millions, God. I believe because we're going to step into the purpose, the calling that you have for us. And so today we receive this word. God, we make a decision right now that we are not going to leave here without saying, this is my next step. I'm going to take this next step in the name of Jesus. And so, God, I pray you give us victory over every battle, every enemy, every obstacle that stands in the way of the calling you have for us. God, we just proclaim right now we already have the victory because, God, you can do more when we have less. And we say, God, come. God, do your work. God, have your way. God, lead us in your will. We are your children. And we pray all these things in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. Come on. Let's get give him praise today. If you receive that today, we're going to leave this place today worshiping him, declaring he is faithful. Come on, worship.